fantastic. I, I love hearing people's stories of, of how God's at work. I, I hope you do too. And you know, I, one of the things, in fact, I, I love hearing people's stories just full stop. Um, and you know, getting to know people, one of the joys is being able to hear their story, to hear about the the ups and and downs that they've been through, to to hear about. Just the successes and the failures and the struggles and everything that they've been through in life that has brought them to to where they are now. You know, so often when you hear people's stories, it can be inspiring. You know, so often I feel that I I learn something through them. But you know what? Every single time when I hear somebody's story, something kind of happens and I I develop a, a greater connection with them and a care for them and a compassion for them and a closeness to them. And just a heart for them. There's something amazing about hearing somebody's story. And understanding the journey that they've been on. And and how God has been working in their life. Or their need for him in the midst of what they're facing. You know, And part of what we've been doing together as a church recently. Is discovering something of Joshua's story. You know, and as we've heard Joshua's story, we have have seen some incredible ways in how God was at work. Both in him and through him. You know, when Joshua starts to to lead the people of Israel, God renews his promise to them. and, And he calls them to be strong and courageous. He calls them to step out in faith and to follow him. To trust him. And as they step out and and trust him, they see God lead them and provide for them and care for them and fight for them time and time again. God leads them across the the river Jordan, even though it's the middle of the flood season and the river's in in a big torrent rushing down. God gives them strategies as to to, uh, defy logic and make no earthly or human sense And he fights their battles for them as they take fortified cities like Jericho and Ai. You know, for 25 years, Joshua leads the people in taking the promised land. And as he does, he he repeatedly calls them to be a people who are stepping out. And he calls them to step out in two ways in particular as they look to follow God. And these are two things that God still calls us to step out in today. There is a call to step out in holiness. To be fully committed to living for God and not getting mixed up in what the people in the world around us are doing. And there is a call to step out in faith. To trust God and to follow him. Even when the situation seems impossible. Even when the way that God is leading us in an earthly way, makes no sense. And as Joshua leads the people to step out and to follow God, in this kind of a way, what we see happen is that God fights their battles. And they experience victory after victory, driving out the nations that were there and taking the land that God had promised them. And today then we we rejoin the story of of Joshua at the end of those 25 years. And Joshua is old now and he knows it. In fact, he's 110 years old. That's pretty old, isn't it? He's doing well. He knows, though, that his time's coming to an end. And so he gathers all the people together to give them one last pep talk. 
to point them in the right direction, to let them know what lies ahead. Essentially, the whole purpose of his message is to try and help them to finish well. You see, it would be easy for the, for the people of Israel to think, we've crossed the Jordan. We've, we're in the promised land. We've defeated so many of our enemies. We're 95% of the way there. It's a done deal. Now we can start to relax and enjoy ourselves. We can settle down. You know, we can't take finishing well for granted. Now, these are silly clips and they're just a bit of fun, but you know, actually finishing well has, has hit home to me over the last couple of weeks. You know, most of you will know a couple of weeks ago, um, a friend of mine called Matt came down and, and we had some time with him over the weekend, did some great time with evangelism boot camp and him speaking on the Sunday. Um, but it was lovely for me personally as I got to kind of catch up with him, but also to hear from him um, how some of the guys who um, I used to, to know well up in Manchester were doing. You know, during my time in Manchester, I was part of a, um, a young group of guys who were who are passionate for Jesus. And so I was really keen just to hear what they were up to now. And some of those stories were great to hear. You know, some of those stories were a real joy as I learned about a, a couple who'd gone off to be missionaries in Ibiza of all places. As I learned about a, a friend who was now training to be a, a Baptist pastor. As I learned about um, a guy who uh, used to be someone who I mentored who is now a, a great worship leader and has released a couple of albums. You know, some of them were joys to hear just simply because they were still faithfully walking with Jesus. But in the midst of the success stories, there are a number of other stories that actually were really upsetting to hear. As Matt shared about some who were no longer walking with God. Six different couples whose weddings that I went to, whose marriages had failed for one reason or another. And now were divorced since the time that I'd moved away, just seven years ago. They started well. They loved each other. They were committed to each other. Their hearts were in the right place. The wedding day was a time of of hope and joy and celebration. They felt like they were entering the promised land. They'd made it. It never entered their minds on that day that their marriage might fail. They took finishing well for granted. And I think so often we can do the same. Not only in things like our marriages, but in our relationship with God. And so the message that Joshua leaves the people of Israel with is one that is significant and we need to pay attention to. You can find Joshua's message in chapters 23 and 24. I'm not going to read all of it today. I encourage you to do that at home. But this is how Joshua begins in chapter 23, verse 1. We read this. It says, after a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then a a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges and officials and said to them, I am very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain. The nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Without turning aside to the right or to the left. 
Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God, as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routs a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful to love your God. Joshua starts out by giving them a big, well done. He says, you've started well. You've held fast to God. You've seen God work to give you victory. There's so much to celebrate. But don't take finishing well for granted. He says there are nations that still remain that you need to drive out. So don't grow complacent. Don't let fear in. Be strong and courageous and careful. Stay alert. Be careful to keep obeying God. Be careful to love the Lord your God. Don't get distracted or caught up in what the people from other nations that remain among you are doing. Hold fast to the Lord your God, just as you have done until now. Well done, but keep going. And the promise is that as you keep going, God will keep fighting for you. Now, and I think that's a message that I could echo to so many of you today. Well done, but keep going. Then if you read on in chapter 23, Joshua gives them a warning. If they don't keep going, if instead they think they've made it and they get complacent and they stop fighting and they start to mix with the people who remain, then God will no longer fight for them. And they will find that they miss out on God's promises. And Joshua says the nations around you will become snares and traps for you. They will become whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes. Joshua makes it clear to them that they've started well. They've come 95% of the way. But now they need to hold fast to God and make sure they finish well. Because there's still a chance that they could lose it all. He goes on then in chapter 24 to lead the people in recommitting themselves to holding fast to God, to continuing to to serve him and to finishing well. And he he starts by reminding the people of all of the things that that God has already done. He retells the story of, of how God was with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and how God brought them out of slavery in Egypt and across the Red Sea and how he's given them the victories in the promised land. How everything they have as a nation, they only have because of God and what he has done. God is the one who led them and fought for them and has given them everything. And then in verse 14, Joshua begins the call for a recommitment to God. He says this, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the river Euphrates and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors, the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 
Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. And then comes a shocking statement that it can be hard to get your head around. Joshua has just called the, the nation of Israel. He's just called the people to recommit to serving God. And they say, yes, we want to serve the Lord too. And then we read this in verse 19. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. That's a shocking statement, isn't it? It's not what you expect to come next. I to imagine the scene. The people are gathered around their once mighty leader. And even though now he's old and frail, they still hold him in such great respect. And Joshua rallies them to keep going. To keep following God. And you can imagine their hearts being stirred and them shouting back, we'll do it. It's a moment when the people are filled with hope and good intentions. And then Joshua says, you are not able to serve the Lord. Can you imagine how that would hit the people? They would go instantly quiet. The mood would shift from a sense of hope and and celebration and there would suddenly be this tension in the air. Their commitment, their good intentions had just been thrown back in their face. Why? Well, I wonder if Joshua knew the people well enough to know where their hearts were really at and how easily they were led astray and the compromising things that they were already getting up to because he goes on and he says, he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. And so the people, they come back to Joshua and they say, no, no, we will serve the Lord. We will serve God and follow him. But Joshua knew that despite the people's best intentions, finishing well would not be easy. He wanted to shock them and to get their attention that this was a big deal. This was a big commitment. He knew that on their own they couldn't do it. He knew that in their own strength they would not manage to do it. That they were utterly reliant on God. And if they lost sight of that and they started to think, we've made it. We're there. We're sorted. We can do it on our own. Or if they started to to mix themselves up with the people of the other nations, then it was all going to end badly. And sadly, if you turn the page and start to read the book of Judges, that's exactly what happens. We discover that the Israelites grow tired of of fighting and they decide they'd rather settle down. That making it 95% of the way to the finish line for them was good enough. And from this moment, right up until the time of Jesus, the nation of Israel is in a constant cycle of winning or losing, of prospering or suffering depending upon their obedience to God. 
And so what we find here at the end of Joshua is that finishing well is so important. And as we look at the story of the nation of Israel, we see that while God never stops being their God, God never stops loving them, God never stops being faithful to them, but as a people, they miss out on so much of the blessings that God had in store for them. They miss out on so many of his promises to them because of their failure to finish well. And I don't want to make that mistake in my life. And I don't want to see you missing out on God's blessings in your life. Or for us together as a church to miss out on the blessings that God has for us either. And so I want to draw out a few key lessons for us from Joshua's message to the Israelites in how we can finish well. The first thing that I think we need to learn if we're to finish well is that there are battles still to come. You know, it it can be easy sometimes to to start to subconsciously make assumptions and to, to live life with the underlying idea that, you know, I'm walking with God. God's taking care of me. I'm where God wants me to to be. He's made these promises to me, and so therefore everything in life will go smoothly. I'm a child of God. God's promised to bless me, and so everything in life should be easy. And yet what Joshua makes clear is that while... They are God's people and God fights for them and he has promised them the land. There are still nations that remain. There are still battles to be fought. And they are fooling themselves if they think they are not real battles and it's all going to be easy. That's why alongside the promises, Joshua calls the people to be strong and courageous. Because as they look to step out and follow God, as they look to to step into God's promises, there are times when it will be hard. There are times when it will be a battle and they will need courage. If we don't realize that there are battles still to come, then when those tough times come, we'll wonder where God is. And we'll add to the battle that we're already facing another front that we need to fight on. And it will be the front of disappointment and disillusionment which makes the battle all the harder. You know, the Bible is clear that our journey on this earth is is a tough one. God makes it clear from the beginning of the Bible. The first two chapters tell us what life is meant to be like. And then in the third chapter, it tells us how it all got messed up. And what's the first thing that we read that happens after that? We read that out of the first two naturally born sons, one of them kills the other. One brother murders the other. From the beginning, the Bible makes it clear that this life is tough. And that because of the fallen, messed up and broken world that we live in, bad things are going to happen. We all have this longing within us for it to be easy. We all have this longing within us to get back to how it was designed to be. As we read about in those first two chapters when God walked amongst us. And so we can chase after how we can make it like that here on earth. How we can make it more like heaven here on earth. But this isn't heaven. 
You know, as we follow Jesus, we get a, a foretaste of what it's going to be like. We get a, a, a foretaste of what's to come through the promises of God and through his grace and through his mercy. But it's almost like these are appetizers that are just designed to keep us going as we wait for the main course. You know, the main course is coming. Heaven is where we are going. But until we get there, there will always be battles. And if you want to finish well, then you need to know that. So that when they come, you're not taken by surprise. And you're prepared. And you can stand firm. And you can keep going. And you can finish well. You know, we find some amazing examples of of people who get this in Hebrews 11. And it's a great passage which describes what faith is. And then gives us a whole list of people of faith and describes how they trusted God. And in the midst of the passage, there are some really important statements that it can be easy to miss. Hebrews 11 verse 13 says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. And then it goes on in verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Now, these are the kind of things we get excited about, aren't they? When it comes to being people of faith, this is the picture that we have. That God is on our side and he's fighting our battles. But the writer continues. says, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute persecuted and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Were these people not walking with God? No, it says these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You see, these people of faith, they knew the promises of God. They trusted God. They stepped out in faith. They followed him. But they didn't receive everything that God had promised while in this life. In fact, for some of them, this life was just a constant battle. And they were able to keep going in the midst of that. They were able to finish well in the midst of that because they understood that while on this earth they were foreigners and strangers and they experienced struggles and difficulties and so they looked forward to the day when they would receive the fullness of all that God had promised them in heaven. If we want to be people who finish well, then we need to know that there are battles still to come. So that when we face them, we don't falter or give up or get disillusioned, but we hold fast and we stand firm. We cling to our God, knowing that he is with us. 
that he has planned something better for us, knowing that the best is yet to come. So the first lesson is that there are battles still to come. The second key lesson, if we want to finish well, is that we need to remember who is fighting our battles. You know, Joshua takes a long time in both chapters 23 and 24 reminding the Israelites of everything that God had done and how everything they had was down to him. That God is the one who had given them every victory and I think he did that because he knew that all of us have a tendency to lose sight and to forget what God has done. You know, when we're looking at the mess that's just hit the windscreen of the car, we lose sight of the miracles in the rearview mirror. When we get so caught up in the problems of today, we forget the ways that God has been with us and cared for us and provided for us in the past. And when we forget who is fighting for us, And something goes wrong, it very quickly becomes scary and stressful and impossible to see how we can cope. We become paralyzed by fear because we've forgotten how God parted the Red Sea. So how can we possibly dream about crossing the Jordan? The other thing that can happen when we forget who's fighting for us is that we start to think that we did what God did. And so actually we start to think we're pretty good. We can cope on our own. And we become proud and self-reliant until one day it blows up in our faces and we realize we can't do it. That we will never make it to the finish line on our own. And God goes out of his way to help the Israelites to remember. He tells them to, to build monuments and to establish festivals to remind them of what he has done. So as they remember that that God is the one who's fighting their battles, God is the one fighting for them, it means that they can look forwards without fear. It means they can look forwards with hope and with confidence and security. But it also means that they stay grounded and humble and know that every single thing that they have is only because they've got a good heavenly father who's given it to them. And they are utterly reliant on him. And I want to encourage you to try and make some time during this week to look back over your life and to remind yourself how God has been fighting for you. Maybe to write down all that he's done, to the ways that he's protected you, provided for you, guided you, forgiven you, gifted you, saved you. And as you do that, you'll be encouraged. You'll be encouraged to know that God is the one who is fighting your battles. But you'll also have something that you can look back on in those times when it gets scary, in those times when hard times come and there's a battle in front of you. You'll have something that you can look back on as a reminder to help you to keep going and to finish well. The last key lesson then that I want to highlight is that we have to choose every day whose side of the battle we're on. You know, Joshua gives the people a choice to make. He says, who are you going to serve? Whose side are you on? He's just reminded them of all that God has done. And so imagine, I imagine in that moment, as they've just remembered all the ways that God has helped them and provided for them and fought for them as a nation, the decision is a bit of a no-brainer. This is our amazing God. How could we do anything other than choose to serve him? 
It's another reason why it's great to remind ourselves of what God has done for us and how he fights our battles, because as we do, it stirs our hearts to commit to him again. You know, the choice that Joshua gives the people is a, is a daily choice that we need to make. He says, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Choose for yourselves this day, right now, today, whom you will serve. We all live for someone or something. Choose for yourselves today who or what it is. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Who will you serve? Will you serve God with all faithfulness, knowing that you you cannot do it on your own? Knowing that in your own strength you're going to fall short and you will not be able to serve the Lord? Will you choose to do it knowing that that means submitting everything to him? Being utterly reliant on him? Knowing that at times it will be hard and there will be opposition and struggles and battles still to come? I don't know about you, but as I think about Joshua's words, something stirs in in my heart and says, yes, yes, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You know, as I think of all that Jesus has done for, for me, his amazing love for me, put into action by dying in, in my place, how he's forgiven me, how he's accepted me, how he's filled me with, with peace and joy, how he's filled a void that I, I had within me that left me searching for purpose and he's given me a reason to live, how he's connected me to a family of believers that are so precious to me. How he's led me through difficult times and provided for me every step of the way. How can I say anything other than yes? As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord.